But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I discerned therein. He says, it wasn't until I went to worship. It wasn't until I, I set my affections upon the Lord that I, that I began to understand his plans. I couldn't stand outside the, the temple. I had to go in to worship. And you, sometimes you got to go into your prayer closet to understand God. You can't sit at the kitchen table crying and moaning. You got to go into worship to understand what God is doing. And the psalmist, he goes to church that morning. And, and, and the pastor, he preaches a sermon and he reminds him. He says, truly, truly, they think they're getting away with it, but you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. And then he goes on just to talk about, Lord, I thought they had it made, but because they don't know you, they really don't have it made. The wicked will Receive their due reward. So God comes to Habakkuk and says, Habakkuk, I, I, I got a word, and I want you to tell everyone. And, and, and verse 4 is kind of predicated on these, these contrasting realities. In uh, verse 4, he talks about the prideful. The prideful are puffed up in their independence. He says, however, there's a contrasting reality that those who, who, who have faith, they are the ones who are dependent. And those who are dependent on me are the ones who will receive life. Those independent from me shall not see life. See, verse 4 is the difference between discipline and destruction. Discipline says, you belong to me, so I'm going to make sure you get it right. Discipline actually says, I love you. Discipline actually says, I care about what happens to you. See, but destruction says, you don't belong to me, so I'm casting you out. The prideful Babylonians would receive destruction, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Those who belong to God receive discipline. And God, in the text, begins like a criminal prosecutor to lay out the charges on the Babylonians. He have these, what they are called, these, these five woe oracles. These five indictments against the Babylonians. So, so why will God judge the Babylonians too? That's really what's happening. Why is God will not allow the Babylonians to get away with murder. He is going to do something about it. Habakkuk, I'm going to do something about it. And, the, and this is why I'm going to do something about it. The first charge against them, the, the charge of theft. In verse 6, he says, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. The Babylonians would come in and just take what they wanted. They, they would appropriate the land. They would appropriate the, the houses. They would appropriate all the currency and all the systems. So the Babylonians would just come in and take what they wanted. I don't, I don't know about you that... That kind of sounds familiar to me. Folks just coming in to, to a land. And, and, and Native Americans just, just having to give up their land. 
This theft. That, that's what it's talking about. This your house. Say, say you go home today. It ain't crazy. It ain't, this, it ain't crazy. You go home today. Now, I don't want you scared of the government, but th this ain't crazy. You go home today, and now th there's a plan to put a new street through your community. And your house just happens to be in the way. And they say, well, we need your house. You're like, that's my house. That's been in my house for umpteen generations. I'm like, okay, I really don't care. We're going to take it anyway. And they evoke eminent domain. And they say, because it betters all of society, you got to give up yours. How would that make you feel? This has been in your, your family for years. The Babylonians comes in to Jerusalem and say, this is mine. The temple is mine. The, the houses are mine. So the, the first charge that God is saying is that they are being charged with theft. But what does he say about that? The very ones doing the plundering will be plundered themselves. He says, will not your debtors suddenly arise? And those awake who will make you tremble then you will be spoiled for them. See, in judgment, God is giving them what they deserve. They stole from the Babylonians. Now all of their captives are going to steal from them. But the second charge, the charge of exploitation, verse 9, woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high to be safe from the reach of harm. What, what he's saying is, that, that they have come in and exploited everyone's, everyone else in order to prosper themselves. They have come in and exploited their, their land. They have exploited their bodies and all that they had in order to enrich themselves. We see that in American chattel slavery. The exploitation of bodies in order to enrich yourself. But what does God say? The Babylonians who were looking for security, they would actually lose their security. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples, verse 10. You have forfeited your life. So because they have exploited the people in the land, they will lose their security, the, the third charge. In verse 12, woe to him who builds a town with blood. They're being charged with murder. They have killed and raped and pillaged, and, and, and they are trying to build their, a name for themselves. This is what it says in verse 13, where it says, Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts. You, you're not gaining this wealth. You're not gaining this land because of the Lord, but because you have been murdering people. However, you are actually laboring, and everything you have is going to be burnt up like fire because it's not going to mean anything. As a nation, you're, you're wasting your time. You're weary. The nations weary themselves for nothing. Why? See, you try to make a name for yourself, but the whole earth is going to be filled with my glory. You're trying to make a name for yourself, but my name is going to be on earth. You're wasting your time. The fourth charge is a charge of abuse. Verse 15, woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. This, this is the sense that 
the Babylonians have come in and they have so abused and have so broken the people. They have stripped them of their identity. They have stripped them of their land. They have stripped them of everything that they're just laying naked, not able to put up any kind of fight. But what does God say? Your glory is going to be turned to shame. The fifth charge. The fifth and last charge. The charge of idolatry. Verse 19. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Can that idol teach anything? He's saying because you have chosen to worship false gods, you will be destroyed. As a matter of fact, your idols will be exposed as worthless. Beloved, God is always just in his judgments. He's not going to judge you for nothing that you didn't do. He's not going to judge you for a ticky-tack offense. When God brings charges on you, he knows what he's doing. He has the proof because he sees all and he's in all and through all. When God punishes sin, he is giving what is called retribution. He's giving back to that person that which they deserve. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 16. Turn, let's turn right quick. Matthew, the 16th chapter, I want to show you. Jesus' own words. Matthew, the 16th chapter, and the 27th verse. Jesus is talking about he, he's coming to judge for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. God's judgment is justice. We should be terrified. You're going to get what you deserve. See, that's the issue. We, we actually think we deserve more than what we should. We can look at someone else and say they don't deserve that, but we think we deserve more. But God is going to give us exactly what we deserve, and we deserve to be separated from him for eternity because of our sin, because of our rebellion. And when we come to a text like this, it always brings the question, is judgment coming to America? Even as we walk through the woes and we see the charge of theft, the charge of exploitation, the charge of murder, the charge of abuse and idolatry, isn't that just woven into the fabric of who we are as a nation and as people? So is judgment coming to America? A couple things quickly. I think judgment is both micro and macro. It's micro in the sense that on the individual personal level, a person's sin can lead them so far from God that God gives them over to their sin. And we see that in Romans 1. When a person is, is disobedient to God and they don't want to hear about God, God gets to a point and he judges them by saying, well, you do what you want to do then. That's the worst position to be with God. It's on a micro level. In 1 Corinthians, we see that uh, folks in the church were coming together for the Lord's Supper, and they, was, they, they weren't sharing. They was coming with sinful hearts. And what happens? He says, some of y'all ate, got sick, and died. That's judgment, personal, micro. Ananias and Sapphira, they, 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 they come up in the new church, and, and they bragging, oh, we, get, we dropping stacks of cash for y'all expansion. We got money on this. And, then, and, and, and what just happens? They fall out and die because they were lying, and the Holy Spirit judges them. So it's evident in the Scripture there is micro-judgment. 
And I believe that's taking place today. Macro judgment, if America continues to be who she is, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Not because I, I say so, but when you look at Scripture, when leaders and nations are led in rebellion against God, judgment is coming. The Romans thought Rome would never fall, but it fell. In our arrogance, we think America could never fall. It could fall. I, I don't want us running around and you know, fear-mongering, but, but realize and understand that your confidence is not in the American dollar. Your confidence is in the heavenly Christ. And he is teaching us that in the midst of judgment, we still can have confidence because of who he is. So what does this mean for us? One of the most important lessons that we learn from this text is because, ju because God judges sin, all will give an account. The righteous and the unrighteous will give an account for all of their actions. The Bible reveals to us that every single president is going to give an account. Every prime minister is going to give an account. Every politician, every congressman, every congresswoman is going to give an account. Every military leader is going to give an account. Every governor, every mayor, every person on the city council, every home, every CEO, every CFO is going to give an account to God for their decisions and their behaviors and their actions. Beloved, that means us. You will be judged also. We will be judged not for what they done. You know how we like to blame everyone else. It was them. It wasn't me. You will be judged for what you have done. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. Watch this. Whether good or evil, judgment is coming. But praise God for verse 20. He reminds us, but, <laughs> but, judgment's coming, but, they're going to fall, but, you're damned in your sin, but, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. The Lord is still on his throne. The throne room being the center of worship. In Revelation, the, the throne is at the center of the universe. God is saying, uh, uh, because I'm still at the center of everything, that those who, 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 who bow before me, that those who, who, who trust in me will have a way out of no way, that those who believe that I am who I says I am, they will, they will have the answers to the where are you, God, and why aren't you doing nothing. I'm on my throne already, and I'm working things out right now. You may not see it, but I am. Beloved, Christian confidence in the midst of chaos is rooted in the righteous conduct of God. His character and his conduct is good. What we see in this conversation, that yes, Christians will struggle with God's judgment, his decisions on what he's doing. But Christians can count on God's judgment. 
he will pay, repay those who have sinned against him. And it seems, they seem to be unstoppable. And we point at the TV and say, what, what, why don't somebody do something? God is already doing it. See, but when we look at this text, it's easy to assume the identity of Habakkuk. We think we the, we the one who's upright looking for God. But when we look at a text like this, guess who we are? We Babylon, baby. We the Chaldeans. The reality is that we stand guilty right now before God and are deserving of judgment. We're guilty because of our theft from God. We've been trying to steal his glory since day one. We want everything to be all about ourselves. So we're trying to steal God's glory. We're guilty. We're guilty because of our exploitation. We will use people, places, and things for our own benefit. We will even use the name of Jesus Christ if we think it will make us a dollar. We are guilty. We are guilty of our own violence. Though we may not have murdered anyone, Jesus says, even if you, even if you uh, have a wrong thought against your brother, you've already committed murder in your heart. Just think about how many times you done cut somebody out under your breath. You murdering folks out there on the job. You got a bunch of mass murderers in the house. Cutting up everybody. We stand guilty because of our violence, our tongue. We go off on people. We tear people down. We're guilty because of our abuse. So quick to hurt, to sting, where scripture says we are to encourage and edify. We're guilty because of our idolatry. We trust in the dollar and not in Jesus Christ. We trust in our positions and our titles and our jobs. We're trusting everyone else but God. Any single thing we worship or think about more than God is our idol. What's the first thing you think about when you wake up? Who texted me last night? Your phone is your idol. It gives you access to your own temple of worship. Who, who, who liked all my tweets? Who liked my Facebook posts? Oh, look at me. Give me the glory. We are full of idolatry. And we all stand guilty before God's throne of judgment. We are really deserving of destruction. But like verse 20, but God, he's holy, he's just, sin must be punished. The scriptures clearly tells us that Jesus will be the judge. But not only does the judge judge sin, but the judge can save you. But God being rich in mercy, Jesus comes forth. He lives the life that we could not live. He dies the death that we deserve. He took the shameful wrath and punishment upon Calvary's cross. Every single bit of judgment that belonged to you, he bore on his back. Every single lash. Every single punch. Every single thorn, every single mock, every single time he was spat upon, he was taking upon himself the very wrath and judgment of God. And those who place their faith and trust in Jesus, the wrath of God is satisfied, buried in the tomb. And now we have fellowship because everyone will be judged. The question is, will you bear your own or will Jesus bear it for you? Jesus 
bore our judgment. God must judge sin because no justice, no peace. Father, thank you for your word. And I ask that you would have mercy upon us today. We are deserving of judgment, but you have given many of us mercy and grace instead. So, Father, may, may those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb leave this place shouting glory, hallelujah. Because of the great salvation we have in Jesus. But, Father, I ask that you would disturb, that you would burden the one who is here today. They think they're saved, but they don't obey you. Father, make it apparent, clearly apparent to them that they are dead in their trespasses and sin and that their actions will be judged. And if they don't know where they will spend eternity after judgment, then they need you today. Father, you are the God who judges. But Lord, it's so good to know that when we trust in Jesus, we are already saved. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.